Good Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money and marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and in addition to Heather, today we are honored to be joined by Lauren from Edify Financial. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, welcome, Lauren. So it's been really fun, um, you know, as we've been doing this podcast to be on social media and kind of get to meet the the financial community. And and uh, Edify Financial is somebody that I've been following. Uh, really great content on how to help help couples, primarily the the, the wife and the relationship. So we're excited um, to continue with the discussion we had last week on income disparity and get uh, get Lauren's perspective. So we're excited to have you here today, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here. It's been fun getting to know you guys and and looking at y'all's content and y'all are just y'all have such a heart to help the marriages and I just love it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Uh, you know who you are, uh, about your your family, where do you live, what do you do, and why why you're joining us today to talk about marriage and money. So I live in the Texas Panhandle, and I am married to my very best friend for five and a half years now. And uh, we have two little boys that are full of life and energy here. We we raise cattle. We have a metal welding business. We have leather business. We have all the things. But my passion is really with this Edda Financial. Um, it's really where I have, have become, I've, I've had this heart for the wives in a marriage because I've been in some pretty rough places. So I'm, I'm here talking about marriage and money with you guys, because like you guys, I believe that what y'all are doing here on this podcast, you're giving tangible ways for couples to come together, even in their differences concerning money. And I truly believe that if a couple can talk about money, they can talk about just about anything. <laughs> so true. <laughs> So, so that's, I'm excited to join you guys today because I feel like we have kindred hearts in this mission. That's great. So one question that we like to ask all of our guests uh, is to talk about how you and your husband have your finances set up. We had an episode a while back about, you know, keeping finances separate or combined or hybrid. And I'm not sure if you talk about that in some of your coaching or counseling, but we'd love to hear kind of how you guys have things set up. For sure. So we actually have ours. Uh, we have ours all together. Um, this was this was kind of a natural progression. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was real difficult for us just because of the way everything was handled. Um, not as planned. I was pregnant before we got married, and that was not at all how we wanted to do things. But that's how it was. And I wanted to stay home with our kids, and he absolutely agreed. And so we combined everything and. Um, and now we both bring, we have both always brought in income. He was, he was definitely the breadwinner when I was home doing things with the boys, but it was never for us. It was a biblical standpoint on the fact that we, I, I really felt convicted that when it said one flesh, it meant everything, including our finances. Some people may not get that conviction, but I definitely did. And um, so we've been that way. And really just the perspective of this isn't, none of this is ours. It is all God's. That's the way that we believe. And so it was really easy for us to put that together, but I have actually worked with people working through this and, and go from a, from a separate to kind of a hybrid to a, okay, now I'm, now I trust, now we can trust each other. And now we go to combined. So, um, 
ours was pretty simple and pretty cut and dry, but not everybody has it that way. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Sense. Yeah. We, we were combined as well and it was very much, yeah, a, a pretty simple up front. So it wasn't an issue, but I can see how you could coach people to kind of be on a journey, yeah. right. To fully get the trust and to make yeah. progress. So. Yep. That makes yes. sense. And is, is one of you more of a, a spender, one of you more of a saver, or do, do you both have kind of that same perspective? We are definitely night and day when it comes to this stuff. I am the saver. I will, I will pocket money away. I have always been that way. And my husband, he burns money through his pocket before it ever even gets there. So we're definitely (laughs) night and day when it comes to it. And it, that has been a challenge to overcome for sure. And, and we definitely have, uh, all the stories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. And that journey to get on the same page, could, could you tell us a little bit about what that process has been like? Um, I know for, for Heather and I, it, we, we were in a similar situation where I was the saver and she's a spender. And it took us a, a while, a lot of conversations, a lot of um, discuss, a lot of discussions and <laughs> some tears to, to, to get there and um, openness and talk conversations about motivations and all those things for us to be able to get there. But how, how do you, did you and your husband get on the same page with these things? You know, I'd like to say it was some neat and tidy journey, but let's be real. It definitely was not like you guys. There was tears shed. There was teeth gritted. The the biggest pivotal moment was the year that my husband heavily instigated the purchase of two brand new pickups on top of that we already. Um, This was the year that all everything hit a climax, our financial stress or fights, my stress, all of it. Um, but that was also the year that I genuinely believe God helped me to tr- craft a plan out of that mess. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't take it back. It was a messy year, but it was also a year that a lot of fruit was, was being, was being planted. I'll say <laughs> during all that mess. So I'm definitely the financial nerd of the marriage and my husband was the free spirit one, but he was also a breadwinner. So I didn't feel like I had much of a say so, which caused me to feel less than at times. And it I had to take the old piece of advice that you catch more flies with honey. And I began to brainstorm how I could actually bring him into this conversation in a way that worked for both of us, because really what I tried was like dragging a kid to get shots and it was not working. <laughs> so um, it was it was a tough, that, that one pivotal year was a big deal. So, um, but we are in a place now that is definitely, I, I would say we're on the same book. We're, we're getting, maybe we're in the same chapter. So we're getting a lot closer. <laughs> yeah. It's well, always, it, and it's a journey. It's, yeah. It's never done. It's yeah. always, there's always new things. There's always new changes. And that's why the communication needs to, to be really key. Right. 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 And, and sure. that's exactly what, what it took for us too, is we had to have some rough moments in order to <laughs> encourage us to say, Hey, this isn't going to be working out for us. If we continue down this path, we need to make adjustments. We need to find a way to make this work for the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of moving on, you talked a little bit about how, you know, you've, he's been the breadwinner and I know as you coach and talk to talk to some of your, 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 um, the people that you counsel and, and coach, um, what, ha- what do you think, or what do you have, you seen are the biggest challenges with having, 
you know, a large income disparity between spouses and, you know, what, what kind of advice or what, what do you see as the main issues or problems that come up in relationships around that? So the biggest, the biggest thing for me speaking from my own was mom guilt. Um, it was, it was the fact that I felt like I needed to be contributing because we were in a bad situation, but the money really wasn't the problem at the time. I didn't realize that I thought money was the problem. And so I thought, well, if I go get a job and help, it it was a mindset issue. It was, it was a discipline issue. It wasn't, it wasn't the actual dollars. Um, but I had a lot of mom guilt, wife guilt, just daughter of Christ guilt. (laughs) There was all the guilt that came in. Um, there was a lot of stress just around the fact that not only which our situation was a little different, like we talked, there's no normal situation, but um, my husband was on the road working for the, in the oil field. And so I was by myself. And so not, not only did I have the stress of our finances aren't working, I had the stress of I'm doing all this on my own at home. Like I felt like a single mom and but I, I mean, we got mailbox money. <laughs> like it was, it was not anything. I'm not comparing me to a single mom because I can't even imagine, but those, those things that happened were very stressful. My self-confidence at that point, like I didn't even want to get dressed and go into public. It got to be a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, and, and really what it boils down to is I was idolizing the situation and any believers on here understand that there's, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of consequences to idolizing something like that. So um, just, just not having, not having good communication, the ownership of the money didn't have a proper perspective on that. Um, I felt powerless. So those are those. And, and talking to other wives, moms, it's, this is common. This is a very common feeling whenever there is that, that gap in between the husband and the wife. Do you, did your husband know that you were feeling this or was this something you were really kind of, you know, feeling alone and kind of on your, you know, h- handling a lot of that emotion and feelings yourself? It was the, uh, I was dealing with a lot of it myself. Um, it was one of the, it was the classic, I I thought you should know situation. And he was mm-hmm. completely oblivious. Like mm-hmm. um, it took, it took a while for him to realize, Oh, like this isn't right. Which, for us, again, kind of unique, he was gone from the time we got married and it was me here. And so he didn't know me well enough, honestly, to be able to realize that something was really wrong for an extended period of time. Like it just didn't, it, he didn't know. Um, when I would bring it up to him, I would say it in such a small way that he didn't realize it was such a big deal because I didn't want to cause that confrontation or, or I felt like it was a conversation we needed to have in person, but I didn't get to see him in person that often. And so like when you don't get to see them, what's the point in fighting the one weekend a month you see each other? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, there was a lot of things that I held to myself for sure. Um, and that's just my personality too. So I've noticed that wives, they go one of two ways. They're either like fully in, in their husband's face, like pointing the fingers, telling him what to do, or they're real, they're real reserved because they don't want to have that fight. They don't want to have that confrontation and neither one of them is healthy at all. <laughs> So, so what are some healthy ways to be thinking about situations like this or how, how should people be approaching this when they, when they feel that guilt? So you talked about, about mom guilt, which isn't necessarily, it's not justified, right? So it's, it's not a healthy thing. So how, how do you, how do you work through that with your husband on, on it? 
Really, it comes down to a lot of work, a lot of internal work. And I think it's the the reflection of what's actually going on. And this, you can do it through prayer. You can do it through journaling, through counseling, through a really good friend or mentor, um, something to actually have a soundboard um, to actually see your thoughts either, either come out of your mouth or on the paper. Those, those things, it brings so much clarity whenever you can actually work through those things and reflect on those things. I think a lot of times we just try to shove it to the side and deal with something else. And something that I've noticed is we want to put it under a rock. Well, what grows under a rock? Nothing. You got to bring it out from under the rock, let it out in the sunshine. And it's, yeah, you're going to get some wind. You're going to get some hail. You're going to get some things out in the open, but that's the only place that you can grow. You can't grow under the rock. Nothing's going to grow there. And so really, really getting that out Um, And work through the situation down to its roots. Call it what it is. Um, A lot of times we because just being unfamiliar with something, we we are we are scared about it. And so you just kind of want to leave it alone. No, call it what it is. Counter it with truth. This is the truth, because a lot of things that that we fret over aren't really things to be fretting over. They are, they are situations that we've made up in our mind. They are these exaggerated realities that we've come up with. No, counter that with the truth. Um, and then creating and, and countering that with the truth that can be with your husband, with your, with your wife, if you're on here listening, that talking to them and saying, Hey, this is, this is how I feel. And they can be like, honey, (laughs) that is not at all what I meant. That is not what I said. That is not at all how I feel about you and your situation. So countering that with the truth. And then after you do all that, create practical steps to keep those challenges from being strongholds anymore. The, those strongholds, those are just footholds for the enemy. And that's what he's trying to do. I mean, I, I truly believe that those strongholds that we have, we have power over those. And so getting into the nitty gritty and saying, okay, these are the practical steps I'm going to take to move forward. Yeah. Uh. And I really like what you said about, you know, I think we often focus on the problem and even you said in your own situation, that's kind of sometimes the symptom, right? It's like, yeah, like when you're sick, it's like, yeah, I'm throwing up, but that's not the problem. There's something wrong, right? It's like getting down to the, what is really the issue and identifying it, acknowledging what it is, calling it what it is and dealing with that versus let's try to fix the, what we see as the external problem or situation. Right. Right. And and like you were saying in certain situations, you may think it's this really big deal between you and your spouse. And then you have the conversation, you bring it out into the open and you realize, Oh, it's not as big of a deal for my spouse as I thought it was. It's really only a big deal for me. I'm so glad I, we got it out and had this conversation and yeah. So these conversations can be tough, but a lot of times they're they're not nearly as tough as we envision in our heads they're going to be. There's so much truth to that. We we come up with these ideas in our head that it's going to be and it's and it's not. Most of the time when I've held those conversations to myself for so long, I've beat myself up longer than yes. the actual conversation would have done <laughs> any like it was minuscule compared to what I did to myself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we kind of talked earlier, like about the finance, your financial journey and kind of how finances are. And, you know, when there's only one income, couples have fewer options really to kind of resolve money conflict and how they set it up. Now, again, that's kind of really going after probably what appears to be the problem than truly the problem. But, you know, how do you help couples 
who are really in the in the crisis mode, like what alternatives can you give or in situations maybe to help them work through, you know, the financial part, the issues in their marriage when, you know, when they do have that just one income or, you know, they don't have the option to really separate. I mean, I guess there's different creative ways, but what have you seen work well with couples? So I definitely, I definitely see what you're talking about. The, the separating accounts, it, it, that really, that doesn't solve the problem. They, they, that solves just the symptom of it. Like you're saying, that's just, that's just a symptom of the problem. The problem is deeper than money. It's not the dollars and cents. The, the money is where these problems are showing. This is where everything's making a head right here, but it's either they don't trust each other or themselves. They lack the self-control. They fail to communicate. None of those things are actually dollars related. It's just a matter of they can't, they can't make the dollars work without these things being handled. Mm -hmm. And so these are things that, that actually need to be addressed is those, those big, deep roots. And, and I think that comes back to, okay, what can we do to learn to trust each other easier? You know, okay. So say, say we have this dollar amount and, and the one spouse or the other say the husband's bringing in the money. Let's just say that that's where we're at. The husband's bringing in the money and he is not really sure that he can, that he can trust the wife yet. And maybe that, that isn't the wife's fault. Maybe it's because his, his mom betrayed his dad in some situation, or maybe it's because he was married before and got betrayed. And so a lot of times, maybe it's not you. And so you can't take, you can't take a whole lot of offense to that. Um, just prove to them, Hey, okay, trust me with this much. What would you like me to do with it? Let's, let's talk about this hundred dollar bill. What do we see is the best way to use it and start there, start there and then learn how to trust each other easier. Um, thinking about what will help hold me accountable. Um, if there's one, a lot of times in a situation, there's one spouse or not that's, that it, it's hard to stay accountable. Like I haven't had to stay accountable to myself. I was fine by myself and now I'm with you and you're trying to hold me to all these rules. And I think that comes down to, okay, what, what can we do that's going to hold us accountable? Do we need to bring in a non-biased third party to help us out? Is that a friend, a mentor, our pastor, a financial coach, whoever it is that can come in and say, okay, this is the best use of it. Or talking through like a mediator, talking through it with you guys. If, if you just can't, if you just flat can't do it on your own, bring in somebody that can help y'all just get, get to a place where you can communicate, where you do uh, learn those skills and then you can carry on forward and use those in the future. The sooner that you do that, the sooner you either communicate or get somebody to help you communicate, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. I, I think you're right that a lot of these issues stem back to trust. And is it, I don't trust you to make the right decisions with their money or trusting handing off something you care about to your spouse. And that could be built up. Like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be even handing off money. It could be, you could be building up trust in other ways to, to, till you get to that point too. Yeah. And you, you, you've talked a lot about the communication piece and I I think that's probably the word we use in every, (laughs) every episode that we've had. It pretty much always comes down to Communication, right? Um, Definitely. And so what uh, like practical tools or what have you seen as a good way to help couples really communicate? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are are there good places to start when, when communication has broken down or when, when it's not happening effectively? Are, Are there, are there tools that you've used or, 
or conversation starters that you've had in order to build up good communication practices? Yeah. I mean, it sounds so easy. Oh, communicate. It's like the easy <laughs> button, but it's not always. It's like doing it is another thing, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I see what you're saying. So the best way that I have seen is there's a few different steps that you can take. And the first one is that tell your spouse, Hey, I want to talk about this thing. This is going to be one. We're going to talk about one question. We're going to talk about one topic and guys, it doesn't have to be about money. It doesn't have to be about, um, we need to be saving this much and we need to quit spending this much so we can pay off this debt or we need to, it doesn't have to be about money. It can be, Hey, are you enjoying your job? Yeah. What do you like about your job? What do you hate about your job? Because that's talking about money in a way that isn't attacking somebody about money. And so kind of coming in the back door and building, building that actual relationship, because it's hard to just jump into a conversation that you haven't communicated. It's like talking to a friend that you haven't talked to since high school and trying to sell them something. Mm. Like you're not going to do that. If you haven't built that strong communication foundation before trying to slam them with money, they're going to slam the door in your face. And so practically, okay, set a date, say, Hey honey, you know, you, if you don't know what they like to do, ask them. And say, okay, maybe it's going to get a milkshake. Okay, can we go get, let's go get a milkshake on this day. I have one one question that I want to discuss. This is it. Um, you, we're going to talk about it next week. Does that time work for you? And just actually going and doing something fun. Talk about something simple. Start small. If If communication has not been good, if it has been broken between you two, start small and intentionally build on that every week or every other week, just, I mean, I wouldn't say any less than once a month, be building on that communication, start small and build that foundation to where you can start talking about money again, because I've been there. I have tried to talk about money to my husband. This was before. And I would try to talk to him about it. And he's like, it was a deep conversation. And in his family, he wasn't raised in a way where they really had deep conversations. It was always very shallow. Um, Deep conversations were just too much. They were too much. They didn't want to go into it. They didn't want to deal with it. And so they, they, they weren't on the table. And so when I went to my family, on the other hand, we had deep conversations at every meal. I mean, we were all about it. And so he was very confused when I went to try to do this. He's like, we don't, we don't talk about these things (laughs) like, Oh, but you should. So, um, anyway, so I would say my biggest tip is to start small, be intentional, and, and be consistent about it. And you'll build that foundation. Remember you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. You're not in it to fix everything next week. You're yeah. not in, even in this thing to fix it all this year. You're in it for the long haul. And if things have been broken, whether it was from you or for, from somebody else in their past, it needs to be rebuilt. And, and that takes time. Yeah. I, I really like that you brought up these, these conversation dates, because th- yeah. this is something Heather and I have talked about as well is how how effective a tool that is because you're you're planting that seed in advance to say here's this thing that I want to talk about we're not going to talk about it now I'm going to give you some time to process it because some people need time to process and it gives them time think about it and then we'll come together in in a familiar enjoyable environment where we can have a friendly conversation and we're doing this together. And oh, that, I mean, that's been really effective for us as well. Yeah. I really like the piece where you talked about doing an activity because I know like we enjoy walking or yes. hiking and we have some of our best conversations, even if they're not planned. I mean, it's just like when you're doing something you love and enjoy together, 
it's amazing. And often I'll even say like step zero is open a bottle of wine. That's also a thing <laughs> I like to For sure. know and have a good conversation. <laughs> but I think knowing, you know, setting the right environment and like you said, being really intentional about it versus just, you know, showing, showing up and surprising. And yeah. And people and, can feel bombarded by that. Like my yeah. husband, I process things all day long. Like my mind's going, if you ask me what I'm thinking about, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be like, Whoa, you're thinking <laughs> about that right now. Like, it's just, it's too deep. Some people are like, what in the world? No wonder you're exhausted. And so, but my husband, he's not that way. So if I come to him with a conversation like that, he feels like I just slapped him in the face. He's, oh. he's blown away. And so you don't want to do that to somebody. Right. Yes. The, if you're able to have these conversations on a regular basis, you build it up. And and like everything else in, in life, like you were saying, you you're not going to you, you, you know, the, the old saying, you, you know, they didn't build Rome in a day and you're not going to build the perfect marriage in a day and you're not going to build the perfect um, conversation dynamic in a day. And so, yeah, being able to say, here's the one one thing that we want to work on next, and it can be very small, is such a, such great advice. Really appreciate that. How how do you think this does this change, or or how does how does this work when um, when kids are involved? So we, we don't have children, um, but I know that uh, you know. When, when you have kids involved, they might perceive the, the dynamic or the friction between between parents or between couples in a different way. And I'm, I'm wondering, how, how does that impact how couples should approach their conversations, their, uh, their rubs against, <laughs> against money or their, the, the, the different income di- disparity dynamics there? Or, or does this not have an impact at all? <laughs> Well, it has a huge impact. I noticed that y'all follow Rachel Cruz a little bit. So this yes. might not be a new idea for you, but our relationships with each other and money have a huge impact on our kids based on whether or not we talk about the money and the emotional status around money. This is the opportunity to set them up for success in their own marital finances down the road. And so for instance, Rachel talks about money classrooms in her latest book and the class there's four different classrooms and they all have to do with um, whether or not somebody talks about money and the emotional status around it. So the first one is the anxious classroom and that's where it's emotionally stressed and verbally closed. This is where they're not talking about anything, but there's like this weight of like Mm. it's anxiety and it's, and it's scary, but nobody's talking about it. So how do we really deal with this? Everybody's on eggshells. The second one is the unstable classroom. And this is where it's emotionally stressed, but verbally open. This is the fights. This is the knockdown drag outs. This is the throwing the pans. This is the yelling. This is the, I mean, this is, this is no good. Um, the third one is the unaware classroom. To me, this one seems the worst. It says it's emotionally calm, but verbally closed. And when you're doing that, you're not talking about it, but everybody's calm about it. And so your kids are go on and raise like, money isn't a thing. Yeah. Like, and so they're completely yeah. unaware. <laughs> that one, that one seems like the worst to me, but all three are bad. Um, and so then the last one, and this is where our goals as parents should really be. And that is to create a secure classroom. This is where it's emotionally calm and it's verbally open. And really that work has to be done. Like if you have kids or if you're planning on having kids, like this work needs to be done today within you and your husband and just saying, Hey, 
this is the long-term goal that we have going on here. We want to, we want to launch our, our children into successful marriages, into successful lives, just in general, even if they don't ever get married, they need to know that money doesn't rule our lives. It doesn't rule our emotions. And, and, but we're going to, we're going to talk about it. Money is something that we have to talk about because it's a part of all of our lives. They're going to know the bills. They're going to know that this is, this is, we need to budget. They need to know what's going on here to be open enough to have these conversations. But, and I think that's what makes the anxiety go down the, the, the stress levels. I really believe that's what makes it go down is just having those open conversations, but it starts with the husband and the wife, the mom and the dad. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder that, that we're always teaching kids something. The kids are in the house and they're, they're, they're learning something. And so you want to be sure you're guiding that in in an appropriate way. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that a lot about how, you know, a lot of who you become starts with where you, you know, what you learned as a kid or what you learned early on in life, right? How, especially how you view money. And unfortunately, you know, at least when we were growing up, it it feels, it feels like money's always kind of this taboo, like, we don't talk about it. Right. And it's like, to your point, how are you going to learn? Because it doesn't matter who there's no one in life that doesn't have to deal with money, whether you get married or you're single or you have kids or anything. And so if you don't, if you don't talk about it, if you don't teach them, where are they going to learn it? Right. And so it's, it's trying to get people talking and being more open. And we always say that it's really good to bring kids in and, and model and, and teach them yourself versus having them. I don't know where they learn it. <laughs> oh, it's it, sex and money. You don't want your kids learning that anywhere, anywhere, but in their home. Like <laughs> Those are two things and nobody wants to talk about either one of them, but oh my gosh, the things that are taught to them, if you don't teach them is absolutely unreal. So definitely <laughs> I agree. It's, it's always kind of been under that topic of, um, uh, politics and, and religion kind of has always fallen under that. And I am so with y'all. I love, I love that y'all are bringing this conversation to the table because it is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So last question before we wrap up here, uh, what advice would you give to a couple that's struggling, um, with finances in their marriage? Obviously like we talked about, it's probably a symptom of something larger, but, where, what advice, if you had some advice you could give them, where to get started, how to, how to t- tackle this issue? Let's say, don't leave it unaddressed. Um, a lot of times we just try to, like we talked a little bit earlier, just try to shove it under the rock. Don't leave it unaddressed because this is not something that gets better on its own. It really takes that intentionality. And if you can, two can't do it on your own, don't be embarrassed to ask somebody for help because many of us weren't taught this super important lesson of marriage and money and all of it being intertwined together. Like there's no embarrassment about this. When I finally started opening up to people, they're like, me too. And it's like, it's this thing that nobody ever wanted to talk about, but it's the thing that's been haunting people in their own homes. And so I think that's the biggest deal is don't leave it unaddressed either. If you two can't do it on your own, bring somebody in for the love of God, bring somebody in because it's going to, it's like cancer in your marriage. If you can't, if you can't bring this to the table and discuss it. I love that. Yeah. And it, you can, you can bring in a professional, you can have, you can, you can have that professional help if you need it. You can have, like you said, just a a friend that that you can relate to a close friend to have good conversations with. Um, yeah, it, you, you can, 
you can work through these things in whatever way is appropriate for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's hope. There's hope. There's, There's definitely light. hope out there. <laughs> definitely hope. And it's not a one size fits all thing. No. It's a, just no. because the first thing doesn't work, don't quit. There's a, right. there are several other options. Just keep on plugging at it because once you do reach that point, like I'll say, and there's a whole story behind this that we don't have time to go into today, but it changes the rest of your marriage. It really does. Once you start addressing this, the rest of your marriage can really flourish. That's uh, great. That's awesome to hear. Well, we have really, I, we have really enjoyed our conversation yeah, today with you and awesome. getting to know you and really appreciate the wisdom that you've been able to share with us. So thank you so much for joining us today. I was glad um, to. We'd love to make sure that people can find out where to find you. Uh, so why don't you share with our audience, like where they can find you on social media, where you're, you're coaching, um, what, whatever you'd like to share with us. The place I've been hanging out the most is at a financial. It's, it's my group. It's a, it's a private community and it's at edafinancial.com backslash wives. I'll send you that link. So you'll have it. Yeah. But we'll yeah. put it all in the show notes. Yeah. So the other place is Instagram. I'm there. Sometimes I, I get a little overwhelmed on social media, so I don't get on there a whole lot, but that's where I met you guys. So obviously I'm there a little bit. So Instagram and the private community, that's about where I'm at. <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Wonderful. Thanks. We'll make sure to link all that for people. Yeah. Thank you so much. So that wraps up our conversation for today. We would love to hear how your conversations about money have gone so far or to take your questions on a future episode. Please feel free to email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle.